Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love. I'm joined by the amazing Michael J. Bruss uh, here on PRNFM, and we are so excited, and I hope you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice <laughs> because that was what we talked about last week on the show was how enthusiasm really helps see through some difficult times and really spurns on all sorts of creativity and projects. And today... Um, Michael sent me a little note and I said to him, I said, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk about like the carry into that, which is making the impossible possible. And so I would like to welcome you, Michael, and then I'll share this a quick story and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. So welcome, Michael. Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Yeah, Thank so, you so much for being I always enjoy being here. Get on with it. Let's go. Yeah. I want to hear the story. Yeah, and, and you, you, you said that you, you're going a, a thousand miles an hour and sort of Sometimes that's how I feel. Um, things are just moving and grooving. And so I'm getting ready to launch another Airbnb VRBO space. And it's I have an opportunity to host somebody actually this weekend. So it's sort of accelerated. I had somebody stay at one of my properties and they wanted to book some extra days, but my place is booked. So I said, well, you know what? Let me see what I can do because I've been working on this house and, you know, maybe I can have it ready. Uh, just let me know if it, if you're interested. And so he said he was. And so guess what? I decided to show up. So today I thought, well, I'll move the bed in and then we'll get everything together. Well, the house was built in the 1800s and it wasn't really designed for queen beds. So uh, I have this amazing gentleman, Rich, who does works magic in my life. And we got the mattress up. It was just he and I got it up the stairs and down this like little tiny narrow corner into the room. And he said, I don't know if the uh, box spring is going to go. I'm like, sure, it'll fit. <laughs> so we started to bring it up and there was a, a sort of somebody put a piece of wood. I said, if we take that piece of wood off, I'm sure it'll go up the stairs. And he, he said, well, it's going to create a problem. There's going to be plaster everywhere. I'm like, oh, come on, let's just try it. So he took it down, and of course there was plaster, uh, and all kinds of stuff came down. It's not a big deal, and we got it all the way up to the top of the stairs, and it wouldn't make the turn. And I thought, oh, uh, it doesn't bend. A box spring does not bend. And I thought, okay, what are we going to do? And he said, well, you know, you could go and get two twin box springs and try it. And I thought, well, that doesn't really work. And then he said to me, he said, you know, we could bring it in through the window. And I said, we can bring it in through the window. He said, yeah. And so he said, I have some rope and some other things. He took the window out, and I'm looking at this. It's on the second story. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, we can bring it in through the window, and Rich is going to make this possible. And, and uh, so I said, well, hey, how are we going to do this? And he said, you know what? I think I can stand, and I can lift it on my shoulders, and you can grab it out the window and pull it in. <laughs> And that's exactly what we did. So who would ever think that that was what I would do today? But, you know, <laughs> as I saw him kind of hoisting it on his shoulders and I bent and I kind of took my feet and I anchored it against the wall because I, I thought, well, if this goes forward, I'm going to go out the second story window. And But sure enough, he, he inched it up and, and I got it and I hauled it and he's like, hold it just there. So I'm I mean, it would have been a really hysterical something to catch on camera because I was sitting there holding this box spring out the window and he came running up and then helped me pull it in. And so <laughs> that, and I said to him, I said, you know what, Rich, 
thank you for making the impossible possible. I said that is going to be the subject of our conversation today because I said it just uh, I couldn't think of any any better illustration. So you know, <laughs> Michael, I appreciate you Fantastic. being in the flow, and I and I'd love to to hear how. It, your week has been unfolding, and have there been things that have seemingly seemed impossible that you have made possible? Interesting uh, enough, my business on Monday uh, was, you know, it's, it's interesting. You have to, I've become very adept after 35 plus years at recognizing when I'm attempting to force something, when the, the flow is not there and you're like, trying to, uh, attempting to make something happen. And you get this kind of interesting feeling where it's just not flowing. And on Monday, I just let it go. I let it go and just shifted to doing something else. I just left my business alone and, and uh, uh, went to do something else uh, that I had to do. And uh, Tuesday, came back in the morning. You know, I, I, once I let go of something, it's gone. And then there's a you know mm-hmm. next day I wake up it's a new day it's a new dawn <clears throat> and uh, Tuesday was unbelievable you know in terms of in terms of business everything just flowed perfectly and beautifully and uh, I was exhausted mentally by the time four o'clock ran around came around uh, however there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction when you know that you didn't you didn't try to force something you, you just mm-hmm. you get the you get a feeling a feeling of uneasiness maybe perhaps that you're, you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole and you just rather wait at, wait for the round hole because it will appear, you know, or a square hole. If you're trying to square peg, a round hole, you, you, the, the square hole, square peg, square hole will appear and you'll be able to just slip it in easily. And that's kind of the way that my week started out. And it's been, it's been great ever since up to this point. Of course, this is only Wednesday. So I've had uh, yesterday and today and, and found it cool. I want to step back though and <laughs> simply say that down where I am in North Florida, there's a lot of three and four bedroom, excuse me, three, three and four, four story places. In other words, your townhomes or individual homes, uh, shotgun style, and uh, where you can see, you come in the front door, you can see out the back door, because uh, that's a shotgun. You know, it's not like it's broad, it's, it's long and narrow, but it's high for the stairs and things. And a lot of these stairways are not made for furniture. They yeah, don't design sure. these things where you can, you know, you've got a couch or a sectional. You want to get to the third or fourth floor. And you have to do something very uh, inventive, which is you have to rent a forklift that will elevate 40 feet. And so you wow. take the sliding glass doors off. You take the sliding glass doors out, and you lift the, the couch, the bed, uh, whatever sectional, whatever big chairs you have, whatever that you you don't want to mark up all the stairwell walls, uh, notch them, knock them up, so you have to you know patch them and then and paint them again. But that's how we do it. The first time I came here back in 2003, when I when I arrived, I had hired two gentlemen to help me, and they had a truck, and we actually lifted the couch on top of the truck and stood on top of the truck, and got a rope. I only had three floors. Uh, that took us to about the top of the bottom of the second floor. So we had to just, I just took a rope and two of us pulled uh, on it. One guy tied it to it on top of the truck. We pulled it up until the point where we could just reach over the railing and, and kind of grab it and, and uh, lift it up into the third floor. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way it happened. Wow. You get very inventive uh, when it comes to moving things up and down. 
Um, I remember that I uh, I actually was had received a bed that I bought, a, a Tempur-Pedic bed, one of the first versions, and I had picked it up from UPS in my Tahoe. Uh, it had been folded over and, uh, and roped. Actually, it had been folded over. I had to take it out and, and, uh, of my vehicle and by myself get it up to the third floor. And I oh my said to myself, how am I, how am I going to do this? And I said, well, I thought right there, intuitive taking a rope, tying, tying the rope around the bed and so it remained in half. And I basically put a sheet under it and I pulled it up the stairs, up one flight, around the corner, down to the other door, it goes to the second, third level, turn around, and I got it up there. I got it up, all on my own, no help. <laughs> you know, so I can't tell you how often I've had to kind of do something like that where I'm sitting around going, okay, I've got to get this from what point A to point B. And you think it's, you think it's impossible initially. And the, the concept of impossible, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a perception. That construct that it's impossible is a perception. Nothing is really impossible with the right attitude, skills, enlightenment, right, and uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Those things make the impossible possible. So if you break it down, all you have to do when you first perceive something as being impossible is to back up and recognize that you've put a roadblock in front of yourself mentally. The word impossible is a roadblock, a mental roadblock in your self-talk. And uh, it, it falls in line with, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. Um, no one I know could do that. Uh, I'll never get this done. These are, these are statements of inner conversation that debilitate creative and inspirational thinking. That's what mm-hmm. they do. They debilitate it. You, you literally put, it's, uh, it's akin to, if you want to give you a visual, you're watching the 400-meter race on a track and you're at the starting line, and by thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get to the end of this thing, you then erect these mental hurdles that you now have to jump over on your way to the end of the track, to the finish line. And that's really mm-hmm. kind of what it's like. We, we have a tendency to, because of a lack of belief in ourselves, doubt uh, in our own abilities and what we feel we're capable of, we, we, we erect these hurdles. And the hurdles give us... I just come to believe that the hurdles, the, saying things are tough and possible, hard and, and difficult, when we, when we use these words, what we're doing basically is giving ourselves an out if it doesn't work out. If we fail at it, we're giving our, we give our, we've given ourselves an excuse. I said it was impossible. I said it was tough. I said it was hard. I said it was difficult. And I've done my best over the past 30-some-odd years as I've written books about self-talk and done talks with people and consultations and things. And I've, I've come to understand myself. I've come to delete that kind of language from my vocabulary. I've trained myself uh, to resist using those words. To just, in terms of what I believe is possible for me, what I believe is capable for me, what I, you know, what I can, what I can do, and something when I, when I am, uh, when a challenge when a, is something that I'm, I'm facing, I just you know, avoid those words at all costs because I know that I'm impeding my own ability to succeed. And what I really want to do is succeed. So let's open up the pathways of inspiration, creativity. And the fastest way to do that is to eliminate 
the use of those words and just allow yourself to veg on it, to let it percolate in your mind, to use that word that you used a couple of episodes ago that I think is so awesome, to yeah. <laughs> allow the, yeah, the, the task at hand, the challenge to percolate. Instead of saying this is impossible, let's just let it sit around going, it is possible, I just have to figure out how. And then you go do something else. You know, if you can, you go do something else. Go take up a different task. And it will come to you, a way of doing it. Whether you have to say, oh, I could call so-and-so and we could come over and we could do this. Or I could figure out a way to do it all on my own. Or do which, like, like you did, which is, you know, in, elicit uh, someone that you know and who knows you uh, that helps you out from time to time and have them come over you put your heads together and you figure out a way to do it. And one of you is going to come up with a solution. And, and that's cool. I, I think it's awesome. I, I would say if, if you know anything about what I've said in the podcast in the last six, eight months, 10 months, actually 11 months at this particular point, that I know uh, that I love to put myself in positions where I, where I have to believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about my life. I want to put myself in a situation or multiple situations. And say, I look for opportunities to have to think that it's possible. And right. it's the way that I challenge myself. And I would challenge our audience to do the same thing. Instead of walking away from something, challenge yourself to believe it's possible and then take whatever time is necessary to figure out how, to intuit how. It's so much fun. It gives you such a sense of satisfaction when you actually come up with the solution. Absolutely. or overcome the challenge. Um, and to me, that's how, that, that's how we become better tomorrow than we are today. That's how we evolve and progress mm-hmm. in, in life is by challenging ourselves to do that. You know, a light, a, one more example. I had a light. <laughs> I'm going to put a light, a, a solar light, on the back of the house so that when my dog went outside, it would turn on automatically and I wouldn't have to be, you know, hitting the light and it wouldn't be something that'd be so close to the house that it would attract moths and other bugs that like, you know, light. And I had this thing and I'm like, I've got this thing in a box. Where am I going to put it? I read the instructions and I said, I've got a little solar panel I've got to put somewhere. I've got to get this thing up on the house somewhere. Where would be the best angle? And I just sat there for about an hour and looked at the house and just let it, again, percolate in my mind. And all of a sudden it came to me where I could put it, how I could do it, uh, based on the instructions. And I just went ahead and did it. And it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, the technology, of course, to be able to not have to plug it into a hard, have hardwired into uh, some sort of electrical outlet or, or a box of some kind is, is absolutely fabulous. However, this is what I encourage people to do. Put yourself in positions where you have to think something is, but you're forced to, to go with positivity over negativity. Absolutely. What about you? Have you had any other opportunities? When I was, I was going to tell you, first of all, I wanted to, for our audience members that may not be of the age where they would know what a percolated coffee machine was. <laughs> <laughs> used oh, my God. To be, there used to be. Uh, and I, my grandmother had one. It was a, it was a coffee maker, oh, yeah. and you had to, you had to put the coffee on. If you were, if you were going to sit down and have a cup of coffee after dinner, you better put that coffee on when you sit down to dinner, because it was going to take a while for that to percolate. 
you know, I I thought I would, I thought about that afterwards. I thought we're the origin of that word, and but it always the coffee always smells so good. I was a, a coffee drinker. Oh but, yeah, it's awesome. But it was, you know, now everything's instant. You push the button, and it the water drips through, yeah. and you know, and but it. <laughs> but there I was remember it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there was an art to, yeah. to percolate a coffee. Oh. But when I when I was in high school, I was actually a hurdler. And the reason, when I tried out for track, you know, you had to <laughs> to run an eight-minute mile to in order to mm-hmm. do that. And, and I was just not a distance runner. And so when I joined track, there was a, another girl, another Lisa, and she said, well, you know, if you become a hurdler, she was looking to recruit hurdlers, you don't have to run laps. We get to go over here and just practice. <laughs> okay, after I you know, made the team, you know, that's what we did. We, you know, we ran, and I had been a dancer when I was younger, so I had, and I have long legs, so, but the first, see these obstacles, and you run up to them, and you think, well, all I have to do is just lift one leg and bring another leg down, and sometimes your ankle would catch, and you'd end up on, on the ground, you know, I ended up <laughs> on a cinder track with cinders in my knees, but, you know, you, 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 as you practiced hurdles, you know, it, it, there was something about it. It was like sitting, you could see them, you know, these 10 hurdles in front of you, and you would just sort of soar over them. And, and you know, the lower that you got, you know, you just it, there was an ease and grace to it. And I was mm-hmm. ambidextrous as far as hurdling because so if I misstepped, you know, I always tried to get three steps between the hurdle. But it wasn't always the case. Sometimes, you know, you would be off. But when you hit it just right, there was something really magical in it. And I think it's a really, I love when you talk about the hurdles or the obstacles that are before you because, you know, you might see something 10 down, but you've got to get over that first one because otherwise it doesn't matter what's all the way down there. You you attend to what's right in front of you. And, you know, if you allow, if you relax and let go and just allow yourself flow into whatever it is. And and I ended up um, going to states, the state with field finals with my, my really? track team. And it was a lot of fun, you know. And we, we were, you know, there were a lot of uh, other sprinters that were, were better than us. But it was still a lot. It was neat to be included in that, uh, into the, what Experience, they called the with field. Yeah. yeah, it was. And and I never dreamed when I was thought, oh, yeah, cool, let's, Let's join track. Let's do a <laughs> spring sport, um, you know, because I did. I played soccer in the fall and uh, did that in in the spring, and I enjoyed it a lot. And but it's and it's interesting because I still have that um, almost like a compulsion when I see things like that. You know, I, you do, I think it's that muscle memory. You know, you just want to you know, have that feeling again about gliding over something. In Pittsburgh, um, we have a really interesting man, and I think you would probably really appreciate him. His name is Bill Strickland, and and that was always his mission. You know, he had the really to inspire the community to do something greater. And the things that he's created here in Pittsburgh, you know, I don't know his whole story, but really, he encouraged disadvantaged children and has made things possible. So he has a center that he calls uh, the Bidwell Center. And for individuals who said, well, you know what, I can't do this, or I could never do that, or I don't have the money, he has made it possible for somebody to attend a 
training a skill, a life skill that they can have, whether it be horticulture or medical billing or whatever it is, absolutely at zero cost, which is really amazing. Wow. And um, he, you know, yeah, he's a he's a really incredible person. And I didn't. It just dawned on me when we were having this conversation that that's actually the title of his book, "Making the Impossible Possible." So I'm gonna have to put that on my reading list <laughs> in the future. Um, but you know, that was really his belief that he believed that you know everybody has the potential for remarkable achievement. And you and I were yeah. talking about like, you know, the things that make you change. What is it? You might be in school, you think you're on a certain path, and then you'll have a life change or something that opens up a new doorway, something that opens up that possibility to you. And uh, for me, there's, I just, I try to always be like that same hurdler you know I go with the flow whatever comes and uh, the fact that I had an opportunity to host somebody this weekend you know I can do that it might not uh, everything might not be perfect but I'm going to do my best to make sure that it's a a wonderful experience for this gentleman who's going to be the first person staying at my house (laughs) that's awesome that is amazing you've been working really hard on that and um, you're to be commended obviously for for the, the stick to itiveness that you have, being being able to being passionate, I should say, about hosting people, uh, meeting new people, bringing people to your neck of the woods, uh, hosting people in your neck of the woods. I think that's awesome, and uh, yeah, there's you. a lot of people down here that do that same thing. But I mean, it's 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 amazing that you have the uh, the places to be able to uh, to to do that. I usually go out and meet people. <laughs> I meet so many. Yeah, people. you do. Uh, it's insane. I've got I, you know a string of people. But however, I like that. Uh, that's something that I really, really enjoy is talking to people, meet to people, meeting new people. And I know people that that have said that's impossible for them. Believe it or not, they said that's I, you know that's impossible. I don't do that. I, you know, the they they downplay their ability to make relational connections. And mm-hmm. in my view, everybody has the ability to make relational connections. It's just a function of how you feel about yourself in relationship to the world around you. Uh, And I always tell people, you know, one of the major reasons you think it's impossible, it is impossible for you, is because you think it's impossible. Your mind is a, the mind is a powerful, powerful tool and a tool for manifesting what we want in our life. And when it comes to either relationships or finding a significant other or somebody you can spend time with or life with, friends, whatever, uh, to go do things with, it, it begins within you. Uh, mm-hmm. Other people, let's just talk about this for a second, because people can tell you, if you think something's impossible, it doesn't matter what other people say. And they, you could have all the encouragement in the world um, to, to do something. However, if you in the end still think it's not possible for you, you're not going to do it or you won't commit to it hook, line, and sinker, 110%. It has to be you. You know, we can, being influenced to commit 110%, in my view, doesn't work. You have to find a way to love it yourself. You have to find a way to perceive uh, something positive within it for you in order for you to, as we were talking about last week, get enthusiastic about what it is that you're, you're needing to do, what you've been tasked with, let's say. 
Um, enthusiasm is directly connected to whether you perceive something as possible or impossible. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, whether you think it's possible or impossible, you know. Um, that, is, that is how we move through life. It's how we move through life. And it's beautiful to recognize that connection. We have to realize that connection and that everything works. Our enthusiasm is tied to our perception of whatever it is that we're um, enthusiastic or not enthusiastic about, uh, whether we think something's possible or impossible. These are just narratives that we write for ourselves. And we can change that narrative. We have the power with our minds to change that, to pivot away from that narrative to a more positive narrative and thereby change the way we feel, open up pathways to creativity and inspiration to help us move through what we think is impossible, to garner the resources, to manifest the resources and people to help us get there. So many positive stories, I mean, of people who I see all the time uh, and who who have challenges beyond anything you or I could even conceive Mm-hmm. Yet they move through it. They move oh, through it. There's a, an, a, a candle, flame gets lit inside of it. And, they, and that flame is such a positive force that regardless of what people tell them, they, get, they, they just keep moving forward. Where our, doubt, our downfall is when we listen to the negative voices that are around us, the ones that seek to stamp out our own uh, passion, our own enthusiasm, our own uh, positivity. And I guess I should say, if we think something's impossible, and here's what I like to say, if we think something's impossible and our friends are telling us, are concurring with us, we need to get new friends. Exactly. <laughs> so right. do it. You, you got you to surround yourself with different people. Um, and and because, because you, you don't want to be around people who are going to placate to your own doubts and fears and what you think is not possible. You'll never get anywhere if you, if you can't see and envision it for yourself. And uh, that is, you know, see it to be it. We talked about that a couple of uh, episodes ago. Uh, you have to imagine that you can imagine yourself overcoming it. Imagine how you would feel uh, if you have, when, when you overcome it, I should say, when, when you, all of this ties into it. Uh, and it's a, it's a whole well-rounded experience. The manifestation is not just cut and dry, black and white. It's, it's, it's full of grays and different shades and things that you can do that can help you get to where you really want to go. It begins, right. though, with your own belief. Your own Absolutely. Belief. What do you believe? Perceptions. Uh-huh. Your yeah. assumptions about mm-hmm. what, you, you know, what you can do. Really, you know, I think back to the turn of the century and it must have been a fascinating time because you know there were so many different inventions and you saw like the bicycles with those big huge wheels and these tiny little seats and you mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. how the heck there's just no way you could get me up one of those things and huge there wheels. were yeah. yeah huge huge wheels and and all of the different people that you, know, you see the almost the silent films of them driving and their vehicles were not very sturdy or or even we talked about the Wright brothers, for example. You know, how many oh, yeah. failures did they have? And but even though it may have seemed absurd or impossible, they committed to something. And I think that's what it is. You know, even though you know, you might make an attempt. I I could have 
gone like, oh, well, you know, this does not going to work. There's no way. <laughs> you know? and, and Rich knows my heart. He knows that there's nothing that I wouldn't ask him to do that I wouldn't try myself, except maybe a few things. I don't, I, I don't do electricity and <laughs> I don't do power saws. I, I just have a spear and circular <laughs> saws. So <laughs> I won't use those, but I'll use, I'll use a radial saw. I can, I'm comfortable with that. But, you mean the uh, hand, you, you, know, you prefer something that's stationary versus handheld? Stationary, yes. I'm just not confident <laughs> okay. enough. I gotcha. And I know enough to, to respect things that are sharp and moving fast so but <laughs> you know it it is it is such an, a thing i think when you do you commit to something and really you know, you don't know how anything is going to evolve but you you're guided now when i got guidance to put together the centered in summit i was sort of woke up from a dream and and the name came to me and i i was like okay what is this going to look like and how am I going to do this? I've never put on a summit before. And I contacted a dear friend of mine and I said, do you want to be involved in this? And she said, yeah. And then another person. And then I reached out to Glenn Brooks and he reached out to you. So you got to be a part of it. But I didn't have the technical skills. And so right. I sought out somebody through through the internet who did have those skills, who could bring, you know, I could have, I could do the graphics and I could pull all the different things together. And then uh, there was a, a broadcaster here in Pittsburgh who we brought in for more, you know, it was sort of like a different approach to, to different things. And, and when we got closer to the launch, I was like, okay, we're not quite ready to launch it. We're going to have to push it back a couple of days, but that was okay. But when it did, and and it went off seamlessly, and people listened to the wisdom about how to heal from cancer, you came in with so much wisdom about uh, zero limits, and really, not zero limits, zero, (laughs) I apologize. Zero adversity. yeah. Their adversity. Yeah. That we are. Yeah, I mean, our, yeah. and yeah, I. Sure. And maybe we should do a, a show on zero adversity because I, there's so much in your teachings that really I think can impact people that do feel that they have these obstacles or that something's impossible. Is there something that you want to share from zero adversity with the audience that would be a, a simple. special little nugget? It, it, it springs forth from experiential wisdom uh, of having to, of realizing my own uh, faults and needing to move beyond them. Uh, and to, because I realized that some particular, we all realize at some particular point in our lives, I hope that, that uh, if we, that we have to, we have to evolve beyond where we are. Be stagnating, uh, being complacent, uh, is, is not really what we as human beings, as human souls, are meant to do. We are meant to continually evolve and grow as souls, to, to expand our conscious awareness. And for me, uh, it, and by the way, I should say this happens through interaction with our outer world, our interactions mm-hmm. with our outer world. That's how we grow. And if we um, don't give ourselves the opportunity to interact with our outer world in a way that, that – uh, sort of takes us out of our comfort zone, then we really don't evolve as fast uh, or as purposefully as we really should be. Uh, so for me, zero adversity is a, um, is a three-step, it's a simple three-step process. I wanted to get it down in a book because it was so simple. The book's, I think, only 86 pages. And um, it also comes as an audio. 
and as an 80-minute audio, and I, I read the book myself. And I wanted to That's be wonderful. able to tell people, yeah, I want to be able to tell, let people, give people something very simple that they could do whenever they faced something that they initially perceived as adverse to them, some sort of challenge. It could be a health challenge. It could be a job challenge. It could be just something very simple, being a parent. Uh, the, the simplest things to the most complex things, like losing a family member or somebody that you know is close to you when they pass on. These things, uh, there's a way to deal with everything. And in my books of adversity, I just take it down to its simplest nuts and bolts of how you can pivot your perceptions to respond differently and then let whatever it is go. And the key is perception. So the three steps are perceive, respond, let go. You use those three uh, steps to enable you to let go in, in, in the end and progress beyond whatever it was that was the adversity that you perceived as being adverse. Adversity is mm-hmm. it's interesting. In writing a book, I discovered something. Adversity has been uh, now put into the realm of, of person, place, or thing. It's a noun. No longer describes, no longer a descriptive adjective. It's now that thing's adversity, this thing's adversity, that thing's adversity. And that's really not true. Our, our perception of adversity, is, of something being adverse, is the challenge we create for ourselves. And right. that, that is what we, our, what we think. Uh, if someone says, you know, time to learn how to drive a car, and you say, you know, in, in your, you, you proceed that doing that is going to be adverse versus fun, you're going to have a whole different experience completely different experience. And that's just the way it goes. Someone gives you a challenge. Now you have to, you have to uh, pack up your house and leave in 30 days, um, either because you're being kicked out, uh, because your, your landlord has given you notice that there's something else going on, or you've sold the house, whatever it may be. You're the one who creates whether that experience is, is adverse or not. And Generally, when you perceive it as adverse, it, again, as I said in the beginning of this conversation, creates other hurdles for you. You start thinking of how things can go wrong, how you can't do things, instead of how you can do things. Mm -hmm. And this is how the whole process for me started. I had to wake up every day and go to work and kind of create my income out of thin air by talking to people, developing relationships and connections with people. And um, I have many of those connections today are 38 years old. That's wonderful. And that, yeah, it's a testament yeah, to who you are, though, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you, you look at and you say, um, how do I get through this? I just developed some processes that, would help, that help me move through the, the, the challenges that I faced on a daily basis. And a lot of it is me perceiving what I was doing on a grand scale in a different way, in a different way. That's what it required for me is to say, okay, I'm perceiving this whole structure of what I'm doing as some kind of adverse challenge. It's not. It's just a thing that I do. And I can find a way to coexist with it in a very positive way. I just have to perceive, come up with what that is. And I did. I Initially, I... I you know, people, I've been in sales since the age of 
what is it, 16? I've been in sales. I'm a person who relationally connects with other people and helps them get what they want. And wherever I went, that was my job, is to help people get what they wanted so they could be happy. And instead of, I'm a salesperson, I, you know, I just sell things. No, I don't sell things. I develop relationships. People come in, they tell me what they want. They either tell me what they want or I question them until I get to the root of what they want. And then I share, if I have it, I share it with them. And I help them understand how it can solve whatever problem they're dealing with. And if I cannot, I take great pride in saying, I can't help you. I, I'm not the person who can do this. Nothing I have is going to solve that issue for you. Right. And derive a tremendous amount of satisfaction from saying that. You see, because there's a connection between it making a living and making connections. And if you start thinking, putting, making money over making connections, then that's when things go horribly wrong. That's when you start sacrificing your own ethics and morals and, and uh, philosophies that you develop, the positive philosophies about yourself, and start, you know, sacrificing uh, your, own, uh, uh, your own morals and ethics to, to uh, make money. And eventually you will not feel good about yourself for doing that. And so that's where zero adversity came from. That's where it emanated from. And I, and I really, um, I love the fact that and I use it every single day, every day. Whenever I have something that I come across that is, I'm faced with, usually I just get blindsided by something, because we all do. When you get right. blindsided by, by life, you have to take, a, after the initial shock of whatever it is, because that's just normal, you have to step back from it and start and dissect it and ask yourself, how can I move through this? What positive perceptions can I adopt about this? What are they? Be very certain about what they are because that's going to determine the thoughts and feelings and actions and inner conversations you have about whatever it is. And that's where it comes from. Um, mm-hmm. Love to do a whole show on it because we can come up with a million ex- uh, you know, different oh, uh, sure. examples of how to use it. However, it's, uh, I had somebody I talked to one time. He said, I've re- I, I just got done reading your book for the eighth time. Oh, what a, I said, wow. really? She said, yeah. It's not that long. I just read it because I needed to get a primer. Because it's really, it's, it's 86 pages that, that are chock full of a lot of meat. I don't like fluff. It's only 86 pages because I didn't want to write 300 pages. 86 pages of really good stuff. And then yeah. 220 pages of fluff. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can get it. I think you can get it when you, when you, when you can understand. Uh, and I wanted to keep it simple because I wanted kids mm-hmm. to be able to read it. I wanted the youth to be able, this country, to be able to read it and get, a, uh, and, and get some wisdom that could help them through whatever's going on in their life. And there's a lot that, that young people are facing now, a lot of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it, it's one of the things, I, I have to make an appointment with the children's home, uh, Anchorage Children's Home, which is here, uh, that is for uh, youth that are at, at risk and, and homeless. And uh, uh, they also um, uh, have help um, youth that are um, in need of adoption, that sort of thing. And I, and I, I told her, I said, I'm going to come down and the executive director, we're going to meet uh, hopefully next week or the week after, and I'll, I'll go get a tour of the place and, and give her some books, give her some audio books of zero adversity oh, so wonderful. that kids have some sort of resource in the library they can go to 
yeah, I want to do that. I've got a whole list of different – I keep developing this list of nonprofits around the country that are uh, – there's a really cool one out of Oklahoma. I think, it's, I think it's Oklahoma City called Pivot, and they help homeless youth pivot, foster youth. They're exiting the system at 18. Um, they help them uh, through giving them two years in, a, in, a, in a, 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 a tiny home, a smaller home. It's not actually a trailer tiny home. It's a little bit tiny, about 300, 400 square feet. Uh, that allows them to uh, – that they pay $100 a month rent. It gives them the opportunity to go to work and save. They teach them skills uh, that can help them move forward in life. And in my view, there's no greater skill than learning how to uh, – than, than how to process events in a positive way. That is, yeah. in my view, the premier skill everybody needs to learn because we all um, – Everybody faces things in a different way. You get 10 people in a room and give them the same adverse, expose them to the same situation, and they'll all see it in a different way. They'll perceive it in a different way. And uh, they'll all feel something different. And that's because it comes from experiential wisdom, what they've been exposed to up to that point, which is why I always say, if we've got any parents out there, and I know my mother was like this, so I've never had kids, but my mom raised me, okay? So I can simply say that if you... You have to allow your, 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 your children to fail. You have to, if they, if, if they want to do something and you say uh, you, because you're a parent and you don't want them to feel failure because you don't think they're coordinated enough or whatever to do whatever it is, say yes, go for it. Because it, you never know, number one, what, how it's going to turn out. That's not, you know, predetermined. It's up to them and what their perceptions are about whatever they're doing and the, the enthusiasm and energy that they bring to the table, the frequencies that they uh, are, are resonating as they're doing what they're doing and the people they meet, the connections they make, the people that can help them move forward. This whole process starts to unfold. However, if you say, oh, I don't think you should do that. I don't know if you'd be successful at that. Why don't you do this? You know, it, it's like you take that all away. My mother never took that away. Whatever it is we wanted to do, I said I told my mother I wanted some. When I was 11, I want to, I want to have some more money. I don't think this allowance I'm being given is enough. <laughs> I like to go do something. She was, go ask Mr. <laughs> go ask Mr. Wilson if you can mow his lawn. And I said, oh, that's a good idea. So I went and asked Mr. Wilson. He said, sure. I got seven bucks every time I mowed his lawn. Movies right, were well, only that's... at the time in the 60s. Yeah, they were cheap. You know, seven bucks. Yeah. I could go to I could go to two matinees, right? Um, and then I, got, then I got another one in the neighborhood. And these are the days where you didn't have weed eaters. You had to get down on your knees and clip the grass in between the, in the, in the <laughs> next to the fence. <laughs> and helpers. I was down on my knees yeah, and clipping and around helpers, the yard. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's an old, this is you know, appropriate technology of old. Um, at any rate, it's, it's interesting. Life it's the one thing I tell parents all the time. You need to just make sure that if, you're, if your child ex- comes to you and says, hey, I'd like to do this, don't snuff it out. Don't brand it as being too dangerous or maybe something that they might not do too well and you don't want them to feel bad about it. They have to go and do whatever that is if they have an interest in it. Right. And they have to figure it out on their own because they will – Manifest the resources. They will manifest with a positive attitude about it, a positive perception of it, the resources, skills, opportunity, and positivity that are necessary and the encouragement 
and the influences that will help them get through it will appear. Right. And if they don't, they'll learn a very, very valuable lesson that they can take on to the next thing they say they want to do. They gain resilience. They gain resilience. In the end, it's always about the resilience. In mm-hmm. the end. It's always about yeah. that. It's always about the resilience uh, and, and how resilient you could be. And uh, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. I, uh, it's, it's something I'm extremely passionate about, if you haven't figured that out already, uh, from the way I talk about it. It's, it's one so, of those things. It's so, so powerful. And, and actually, there's a couple things. One thing that I would love to say is when you, before you sat down to write that book, it may have seemed impossible. And I don't know how many words you wrote a day, whether it was a page a day, you sat down and you wrote a chapter or whatever. I mean, it, but when you were done, you, you know, you did what was necessary. You sat down and you wrote wasn't going to get done just by you thinking about it. Geez, you know, I'd like to write a book on this. You actually have to do the action. And then once you implemented that, you had the fruits of, of your labor. And I, I, when you were speaking, Michael, I thought we were resilience, right? You got your start not just as a musician, but you started working in a shoe store. I cannot think of a better occupation to teach patience, understanding, compassion, oh, my feet hurt. What, you have to really be able to identify, and I've seen some shoe salesmen, women you know, will have 10 boxes of shoes next to them and not even buy one thing. <laughs> End up leaving. And all of those things that you know, were sort of the groundwork, you know, your path and your journey that led you to where you are today, that really, I think it has enabled you to be very understanding and compassionate and open to whatever people have. And when you were talking about children, there's a, a, a group of individuals that follow us on Instagram, and it's Arms of Love, and I'm going to probably not pronounce this right, but it's Sibagala, S-E-B-A-G-A-L-A, and it's the Arms of Love Orphanage in Uganda. And as you were speaking, I thought, you know, maybe I'll get one of your books and send it off to them because they help support orphans aged 1 through 17. And and you look at the pictures of the children, and I love, it just warms my heart. Now, there was a need, and they don't have a lot of resources, but they make things possible for these children. And And I think that we can all take that into our lives and you know if you see somebody that's struggling maybe you can offer some assistance maybe something simple as you know, just even you, know, you see somebody on the street and it's really hot out just buy them a water so that they can mm-hmm. you know finish their job whatever it is um, it doesn't have to be a large uh, gesture it can just be something simple or just stopping and saying to somebody, you know, geez, I really mm-hmm. appreciate you, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, um, it, it can it can really make a, a big, big difference. And I think that when you sort of take a look at that and you just do a little bit every day, whatever it is, you can have these small victories that really do help make that impossible possible. And I... And I I don't know where it came from, but the I am possible. I am possible. And I don't think that mm-hmm, there exactly. was an accident in that word at all. I don't think so either. And, I don't think mm-hmm. so. I agree. You know, one of the things that um, I'll, I'll kind of pick it back on what you said in the beginning, 
Um, I, I have Zero Adversity was book four. Um, not only did I write it, uh, I produced it as an audio. I self-published it as well, um, which takes even more skill because, you know, if you sit around waiting for a publisher, uh, your work will never get out there. And mm-hmm. it's not about becoming a millionaire best-selling author, which it did uh, achieve that on, on Amazon in its first, first couple of days. The point is that you, you are getting down your thoughts on paper, and those, those thoughts continue to evolve into something really interesting. And I, I like to say that, you know, we on this show, you and I, are simply messengers. We are messengers. We're not the only messengers. There's thousands of us, thousands and thousands of us. And um, our mission, if I could be so bold, one of our missions is to, is to help people progress in life, to move beyond who the person that they know themselves to be today, uh, and mm-hmm. to give them tools to overcome challenges or at least see challenges in a different way. Uh, help them in, in create the reality, uh, a different reality for themselves. And uh, this, this uh, Arms of Love or- Orphanage, uh, we'll get them a digital copy so that they can listen to it uh, because I don't think they'll ever get a physical copy with the mail. Uh, so that's not a problem. And, uh, you know, it's just so they can have it. And it's about exposing, exposing youth to... Uh, to tools that they don't yet know. It's, uh, we're talking about something here. This show talks about things that are never taught in school because they don't have anything to do with the basic nuts and bolts of education. Um, the, the concept, I did a podcast for teachers to remind them to mind their own perceptions and watch their energies and, and to focus on what they can control instead of what they cannot. Because when you're a, a teacher, you cannot control the outcome. Mm-hmm. You cannot control how what you, what you teach is received. That's the big thing. You have to put it out there in a, and, and put it out there with big energy, big energy, big love, big kindness, big empathy, big compassion. And then you have to let it land where it lands. You know, you, you, you uh, have no control over how it's received, whether or not it's, a, it, it's adhered to, None of that. You have no, and what, what happens to it when they leave the classroom? You know, and you can become disheartened by it. You can, you can drown in it, actually. And I, and I encourage them to get away from attempt, trying to control everything outside of them. Because we as human beings, this is something I've come to understand more than anything else. We as human beings want to control our outside world. To feel good about ourselves, to feel safe. Uh, to feel happy. We want to control our outer world. We have to give up this notion that we can control our outer world. Just give it up. We can only control our thoughts, our feelings, our inner conversations, and whatever actions we take or responses we have to life. That's all we can control. And your own innate happiness begins with you understanding that basic universality. (laughs) That's it. That's mm-hmm. all we control. And I, I know this through experiential wisdom because I was attempting control, to control things that were well beyond my control, even to this day that are well beyond my control. And when I gave up controlling them, like I did on Monday, I can't control whether I make a living any given day. I have 
No. I, I basically take what I'm given and I work with it. And if it doesn't feel right, if it's not working out, I let it go and I'll move on to the next day. You know, I let it go that day. It's just not working. The energy's not there. The opportunities don't exist so I can put something together that can help people. That's it. And as I, as I was in sales and I started out working at Sears, by the way, which doesn't exist anymore, as a floater. I would float around from department to department. I did that for two years. Uh, and I loved it because I, I was exposed to a lot of different um, departments in the store. I was exposed to a lot of different kinds of people. I wasn't always just in one department. I, department, I, loved, I loved hardware. I was always called the hardware, you know. But I just, when somebody that had this, this, people would be floaters, floating salespeople and floating customer service people. If you, if, if a department became overwhelmed, they would put a call out. You'd come and you'd help in that department until it was over. And then you'd get a call to go somewhere else. I loved it. I floated around. I met everybody in the store. I met a lot of wonderful people. And I learned about a lot of things. And Absolutely. that's what that, that's a metaphor for life, I guess. That's what we do. We need to float around life and learn about a, a lot of different things. <laughs> I love things. that. I do. Yeah. Absolutely. We need to float around life, man. You need to, it, it, you know, it, you find yourself, if you look long enough and hard enough, you're going to find yourself immersed in some kind of metaphor <laughs> for life. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's bound to happen. It's just, again, that is a, a, a narrative, that's a perception uh, that I'm, that I'm, I'm floating around and, 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 and there's what I'm doing is a, is a, is a, um, is a narrative, uh, a, a metaphor for life that I'm, that I'm moving through. And that's what we have to do. And a lot of times what happens, we get, we get stuck in a corner. So like a river gets the water, a flowing river will hit a corner. And um, sometimes some of that water will be stuck spinning around in that corner. And we have to get out of that. We have to get, keep flowing, keep moving forward. It's a wonderful thing in life when we can do that and then say to ourselves, you know what, whatever happens, happens. I love it. I love life. I love me and no, nothing outside of me is going to change how I feel about me. <laughs> that, that's what we have to get to. And when right. we get there, the, the, the impossible becomes possible because we believe in ourselves and our own abilities to move forward. Whether we have to enlist the resources and skills of other people which I often do. I agree with the electricity thing. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go. Ch- I have a buddy that changed all his outlets in his house from old ones to new ones. I'm going, okay, great, dude, that's fine. But uh, you know, I'm not hanging that fan, okay? Um, I, 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 right. It's not that I don't trust I myself. It. Really, it's about somebody else having skills and knowledge and experience or wisdom that you don't. And it's, Absolutely. And it's, it's in your best interest to enlist them. And by, by enlisting them, you will also learn something mm-hmm. yourself. I'm not going to work on my own air conditioner. You know, I, I, at this particular point, because of a back issue in 1989, I don't even mow my own lawn. However, I do rake that lawn. You know, mm-hmm. I rake it. I, I, you know, I pick up pine cones and do other things. And, you know, there's a way to be involved in things without actually having to do them. There's somebody else that, that, has been doing it for much, much longer than you, something you can learn from and, and build your own skill set by enlisting them and watching them and asking questions, and you can become better. And now we've got YouTube, of course. Everything's on mm-hmm. YouTube, uh, yeah. although I don't know. 
when a, when a fire starts and you did your own from a, from a, a, a fan you did yourself and you didn't do it exactly right, <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I, I, I completely understand. When, when you're renting out your, your, uh, your Airbnbs or, or VRBOs, you want to know that everything in that house was done to specifications. Right. And uh, there are people who just want to save money. And I'm like, you know what? You've got another being, another living soul living in there and, and paying you to do so, paying you for the experience. And that's not what they're paying for. You need to make sure all I's are dotted, T's are crossed. And that's, to me, what our life is. We are right. dotting I's and crossing T's as we move through this journey, this elegant journey of life. Right. And we were taught by that by a teacher. And, and I'm so happy that you mentioned teachers because I, I would really love some feedback from our audience, our listeners, because I'm sure that there was a teacher who made a difference in your life and who actually encouraged you to make something that seemed impossible possible. I mean, and one that just came to mind for me was a college professor who was a sales and marketing class. And we had to give, we actually had, there were 60 people in the class, and we had to sell something without speaking. We had to do a presentation without speaking and sell something. (laughs) I love it. It was so amazing. To see, you know, one of the girls, she basically, she came out with a, a chocolate bar. She unwrapped a, a Hershey's bar and she laid it down. And then she opened up a bag of peanuts and she kind of laid them on there. And then she unwrapped a bunch of caramels and she put that on top. And then she put another uh, Hershey bar on top of that. And then she took a bite and everything crumbled. And then she went, ah! And she reached in her back pocket and pulled out a Snickers. <laughs> Okay, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. There were were 60 brilliant, and and it was because of of Larry Orcus, one of my favorite, all-time favorite uh, college professors, that I got to think about things a little bit differently. And, and you know, he always challenged, you know, some people didn't like him because of of his orthodox teaching methods. He said, you know, he said, don't even bother buying the book. He said, you can't learn sales and marketing from a book. I said, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna teach you that way. And so he taught That's us experientially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I learned. Um, you know, it's interesting. I came up with this course uh, called this this keynote called "Stop Selling and Start Relating." Mm-hmm. And it was it was born out of a conversation with Glenn Brooks uh, because that's what. You know, we had this thing, you know, he, he had this thing, don't say selling, don't say sales, don't, don't go there with that. You know, you're conveying. Mm-hmm. And he's right. You're conveying an idea to someone. You're conveying an idea, conveying something that could help them solve a problem. If there's no problem to solve, then you're basically barking up the wrong tree because everybody's got something, some kind of problem or some sort of challenge that some product can help solve. You got an empty space in a wall, you need art. Or you need something to put it there, put there, um, and that can be your problem. You, you, you know, you, you women would come in and they go, I, I, "These shoes don't fit. They hurt," and that's the problem to solve. And uh, there were certain lasts of shoes that I knew were more comfortable than others. I'd bring them out, I'd show them to them, and boom, they go, "Wow, I've discovered something new. This is the brand I need to be buying." I said, "Absolutely. If you stick with the same brand, you're going to get the same last every single time because that's what mm-hmm. that's different brands have different lasts." If it doesn't fit you, then buying another shoe from the same brand is not going to fit your foot. 
And these are the things you what learn. Great so metaphor you convey for information. Life, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a great for life. Oh you know. my gosh, absolutely. Oh. Well, this has been and fun. as I usual, it. I know it, it. Our time just seems Rather. to disappear, <laughs> and, and I want to give a shout out to Jesse at the station for really making our our world possible on PRNFM. We're so grateful. And for those of you who who join us, we're really grateful to you as well. And if you're able to, join us on Instagram at connect and then the number two, love energy. We'd love to hear some feedback from you. We're trying to grow what we share with you each week. We'd love some feedback on what you'd like us to kind of bubble on and what you'd like to see as a possibility for a topic. And Michael, I'll let you close out the show because this has been such a delight as usual. (laughs) Well, uh, again, impossible, impossible are just constructs. They're narratives that that we um, create in our own minds because really, you think about it, nothing really is impossible or possible unless you say it is. It's just all about what you think. Uh, And I encourage our listeners to approach life from that perspective, approach challenges and other things. It it makes life much more fun. All this is about being happy and uh, being joyful and uh, loving. And when you approach life from that perspective, a positive perspective, everything works out. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy a great week.